0: So we are just a couple of minutes past our typical uh, time we go live. I'm your truly, Doctor Barry Pierre, favorite board-certified internist. I'm talking about being a hospitalist this week. I think, I think the, I think the question is being a hospitalist this week. Why? Because this weekend I'm actually having to round in the acute center. Acute care center, which for most people, you know, when you call 911, you go to the hospital, most likely you're going to an acute care center. Now, I also happen to work in several different facets of the post acute setting acute care setting, uh, long term care setting, uh, rehab facility. So I kind of see all the different variations, uh, but my bread and butter, I would say, is being a hospitalist physician. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about, you know, what it means to be a hospital physician. What are some of the things that we typically, you know, confront on a day-to-day basis, especially being an internist and hospitalist and kind of how we kind of get kind of things uh, motion on there. So again, appreciate you. If you're on the live, hit the hearts, hit the shares. If you haven't had a chance, follow me again, Dr. Barry Pierre, Board of Survivor internist. Internists. I'm typically here kind of Fighting misinformation and disinformation and everything else under the sun, but in my in my non social media day job, I am out here really saving lives in a hospital. Right, so as a hospital physician, so this is something that I've been doing for almost like ten years now. Um, yeah, pretty much ten years and even more if I count residency. So as an internal medicine physician. Majority, I I would say out of 36 months of training, probably 24 of those months, give or take, was in the inpatient setting. Now, this is very typical for internal medicine programs. um, Unless you go to certain programs that kind of have different tracks, like some people have a track where they can, they'll be an internist, but they know they're going into ambulatory medicine. Others have a track where they're an internist, but they know they want to sub-specialize. You know, that's when you get your gastroenterologist, your cardiologist, your pulmonologist, and everything under the sun there. And then some just have this straight up, like, you're an internal medicine physician. I'm going to give you all of these rotations here. So typically, we have about, out of 36 months, like I said, usually about 24. So 24 months is either dealing with regular, just internal medicine rotations versus ICU rotations versus the subspecialty rotations, but are specifically focused in the hospital. So you come out of residency very comfortable being a hospital physician, which for the most part has been probably one of the more hotter jobs as an internal medicine resident, even now some family medicine residents as well, uh, for a couple of different reasons. One, the pay is good, right? Yeah, that can't, that can't never hurt when the pay is good. Um, two, which I think is probably more important, is the lifestyle is a lot better uh, for a lot of hospitalist physicians because sometimes they go in, they're working you know, seven on, seven off. That means they work seven days in a row and are off seven days. Now, they're not on 24 hours. So even though you hear seven on, seven off, it's really like, you know, 12 hours at the day, you know, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., or if you're a nocturnist, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., and then someone takes over shift, and then you kind of come back the next day, but then the next week, you're completely off. Some has even, like, I actually do a mock where I work kind of Monday, when I was doing hospitals of medicine, I worked Monday through Friday, and then I'd have every fourth weekend I'd have to see patients on a weekend so and again it's not necessarily you have to be there all day but some programs are different than others but you just get very used to taking care of patients in the hospital setting in the acute uh related setting as a resident physician so when you go into practice and you become an attending physician that transition is pretty easy which is why we get a lot of our resident uh residents who will go from being a resident and go straight to do a hospital medicine. Cause for them, that's not something that they have to learn. They don't got to learn anything extra going into hospital medicine because they've been doing it for like three years underpaid, but they've been doing it for three years. Oh, we should. Speaking of underpaid. Nah, we'll talk about that. Now we'll have to, we'll have to have that as a different discussion um, as far as resident paid, because uh, I know across the country, you know, a lot of my residents start starting to turn up, which I love to see. Um, just the ridiculous amount of pay that they don't get paid. But anyway, that's a whole nother discussion. So they're underpaid for three years, and then they come out, become an attending physician, and they get paid very well, right? Relatively speaking. Uh, you get paid very well. So as a hospital physician, the types of patients that I typically see, I typically take care of heart attacks, strokes. Um, severe infections, and when I mean severe infections, I'm not saying like a raging like wound that's seeping over. You can have, especially our elderly, I'm in Florida, so we got a lot of elderly patients. Our elderly patients, if they get pneumonia, they can be very, very sick very, very quickly. If they get a urinary tract infection, they can get very, very sick very, very quickly. Obviously the biggest elephant, and you can see the unvaccinated shirt, um, COVID-19, right, all of these respiratory-related viruses um, can do a number on you and have you ended up in the hospital setting as well. Um, I even take care of a lot of post-operative patients. So you break a hip or you, break, you know, break a femur, you break something, usually a hospital physician is kind of managing the medical care uh, for you during that time frame. So it definitely varies on the types of patients you'll see uh, and the acuity level you see, just really depending on the hospital setting. Uh, but it's, it's always interesting, always interesting to see, you know, what comes in a hospital because you never know as a, as a doc, as a hospital doc, you never really know what you're going to expect. Like again, this weekend, I got to go work at the hospital, Wellington regional, and I don't know what's waiting for me over there. But I can kind of guess that, all right, I'm going to have to take care of someone who had a GI bleed. I'm going to have to take care of someone who had a heart attack. I'm going to take care of someone who had a stroke. I'm going to take care of infections from pneumonia. I'm I'm, I'm mentally expecting to have to take care uh, of those types of patients because typically that's what has you ending up in the hospital setting. And as a physician, it's one of those settings where because everything is acute in nature – I have to be able to, one, not only recognize, hey, this is the big issue that I need to take care of right now, but I got to recognize how to take care of it and treat it more importantly, right? Because in the acute care setting, life or death can happen just like that. So if I don't recognize a symptom, if I don't recognize or I don't even know to order a specific test or specific lab value, that could be the difference between whether a person is walking out that hospital or not. I had an attending physician, Dr. Canner, who used to always talk to us about how it how important it was to not take for granted when a person is leaving the hospital. Many of us know uh, people who were going to the hospital, they thought like, oh, I'm just going for this quick little thing. And for some reason, they ended up not coming back for whatever reason. So it is never guaranteed that just because you go to the hospital. You're gonna end up leaving the hospital, especially how you came. So, you know, obviously, I'm I'm going to the deep end is because again, I've had I've had patients who their initial diagnosis was constipation, like that was their complaint when they came to the ER. I'm constipated, and that person ended up not you know dying within the hospital setting. So you never know, right? It's just one of those things where, as a hospital physician, I have to you know be fast, right, in my approach. And I have to be grateful when I can finally say, hey, get out of here. You can go. Because it, it it happens a lot. Trust me, it happens, well, thankfully. It happens much more often uh, than not. As far as people being able to leave my facility and go home or go to rehab or go to a, a long-term care setting, it happens more often than not. So it's not like it's out of the ordinary for, uh, you know, patients to, you know, to be discharged home, Uh, but it is something that every time I'm able to discharge someone to their home, I just feel a little bit better myself because I know it's never a guarantee. And you kind of work, especially as a hospital physician, you kind of work with the mindset that, hey, the person I see or the person I even say good morning to, I may not be able to say good afternoon to later because something can happen. Respiratory issues, heart issues, infection—something can happen where, like, this person may not be with us by the afternoon. So it's it's so important for us to kind of really take advantage of that, and it's the reason why, especially when I'm taking care of patients. Especially if a patient's—if you're just those, you know, hopefully you've never had to go to hospital, but let's say you did, or you know, family members who did—you um, know that a lot of times it's a stranger in that hospital. Like again, I'm a stranger to people. Right? They don't know who I am, right? They just know, like, I'm sick, and now this person has been called to take care of me. So it's so extremely important as the physician, as the hospital's physician, to establish that level of trust with the patient. Like, I have about five to 10 minutes to establish a level of trust with the patient, because if I don't, that rest of the hospital course may not go right like if if I don't establish trust in the beginning, when I say, "Hey, I need you to you know take this medication here, I need you to you know receive this blood or I need you to receive whatever this antibiotic, whatever I do, if I don't establish your level of trust in the beginning, you're not going to listen to nothing I gotta say and I think what happens for a lot of my colleagues especially ones who deal with quote unquote trouble patients is they don't do a good job establishing that level of trust like in the beginning. Like in the beginning, you walk in, boom, this is who I am. This is what I do. And this is why I'm here to help you. Now, I'll be honest, like I have a bit of an advantage as a hospital physician, because I also used to do outpatient medicine. So, you know, the typical, you go to a doctor's office and you better, you better understand how to build a relationship and how to build a rapport with your patient when you're doing outpatient medicine like that is a 100 percent given like if you're walking into if you're if their doctor especially has a a clinic and that doctor can't do a good job establishing trust like immediately that patient is not going to listen to nothing that you done said for the 15 minutes that you got them with they're not listening to anything and i i think especially for When when I I hear patients say, or when I hear, especially I'll take it back, when I hear physicians say, oh, this patient is noncompliant, oh, this patient doesn't follow directions, all in the back of my mind I hear is, oh, they didn't establish the trust they needed with their patients. Like, they they didn't do what they needed to do to make it so that if you say, hey, patient, I need you to take this medication, they go and do it. Now when I when I I started doing cuz I started doing I've been doing social media for like let me see I've been attending for 10 years so about that time. And when I was doing outpatient medicine I used cuz I used to do what we call lunch and learn just the videos. Like same kind of same thing I'm doing here but I would do mine Tuesdays and Thursdays afternoons and then I posted it on my Facebook and whatnot. And I got to the point where patients would see my videos before they even came to make an appointment with me, like they make an appointment with me, like, you know, some, you know, their insurance company says, Hey, your new doctor is Dr. Barry Pierre. They do what we all do, which I hope we all do. They hit the Google me say, let me see, let me see what this guy's about. They Google and then boom, one of my videos pops up and I'm talking about diabetes or hypertension or something. I'm talking about some topic that I always talk about. And so before they walk into my office, I'm already already building that rapport and trust with them. So when they come to see me, the first thing they say is, oh, hey, doc, I saw one of your videos. You were talking about high blood pressure. I loved it. And I knew you were going to be a good doctor, right? So now I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything because I've already done the work before you walked in. But that don't happen in the hospital setting. Like, you never know who's going to be a doctor when you go in the hospital. So it's important for us as a hospital physician to establish that trust with the patient, if, especially if they can, right? If they mentally, they're, you know, they got some issues, they're out of, you know, altered or anything, maybe they can't do it um, with your family, with their family members. Establishing that trust with someone so that when it's time to say, hey, I need you to take medication A, B, and C, you go, they're going to go and take it. Like, they're not going to hesitate, not going to say, ah, I don't know, I don't know what doctor trying to give me here. I'm cool on that. I've never seen that medication before. I don't even know why I even need it. Like before all of that, before all of that gets in there, you you want to make sure uh, that your patient trusts you with their life because honestly, and I used to, We last week we talked about medical students getting into residency or getting ready for um, residency. When you're a resident physician, and more importantly, we're just a hospital physician in general, um, your training not only is obviously learning you know, the, you know the birds and the bees and everything about medicine or whatever your specialty is, it's about learning how can I get my patients uh, to trust what I say in the quickest amount of time, because we don't got a lot of time. If you're having a heart attack, you probably, you probably don't want to hear me long talking. Um, you just want to know that I can take care of you after this heart attack. If you're having a stroke, again, not here for the long talk. Can you take care of me? Can you take care of my family member? Can you take care of my loved one? If you're here for infection, ultimately, like whatever the thing you're here for, your hospital physician has to be able to do that. And I think, especially with this pandemic, one of the biggest issues for hospital physicians is that, you know, before, obviously we know how facial expressions and everything kind of, you know, helps. But now you're walking into rooms, like I tell people all the time, there are people who are walking, you know, South Florida right now, who probably have no clue that I was the doctor taking care of them. Because when I was, again, especially with with COVID and masked up and, you know, I I had a whole thing. Um, Like, I had like a full mask. I mean, literally, all you could see was my eyes. That was it. I had... The head, I had I had a nice little N95, kind of one of those painter masks, because uh, again, knock on wood, didn't want COVID. So there are a lot of people who I've been taking care of who have no clue who I am. So imagine having to trust a person who not only is this the first time you met, but the first time you met this person is wearing like this N95 mask, like a paint, like he a painter, and I can only see his eyes. And I can hear them. It sounds muffled, but I can hear them. Like, so if you didn't know a good way of establishing trust before, it went down to the pits uh, because of the protection needed for COVID-19. And I like I, said, I got a few tricks and things I always do, especially out of a hospital physician or just physician in general, that I, I always attribute back to when I was doing outpatient medicine. So when I was doing outpatient medicine, one of the first seminars that my job actually made me go was a way to it was it, it was more on how to be an efficient physician. Uh, but like it helped kind of building trust report as well, too. So it, I mean, it broke it down to the point where, like, hey, this is where a patient sits in a, a waiting room. Uh, this is where you sit in a waiting room. Um, when you want to go talk to your patient or do a physical exam, you walk across their body, so they so their eyes have to move with you. It was a lot of little tips and tricks that, like, I still use to this day to make patients feel that, like, hey, not only have I been here for you, but they it almost makes them feel like I've been there longer. There's actually been studies that show that if there's certain things that you can kind of do. Uh, with patients in their office, in the hospital setting that would just make the patient feel that you're there longer than someone who doesn't do those things, even though like y'all there the same amount of time. So I'm big on really helping establish uh, like that trust and build because like I said, we're about to rock out for the next, you know, two, three, five days, like it could be longer, but we're going to be here. I'm going to be the one you got to see every single day and I got my again, My job, my responsibility is getting you home or getting you to rehab or just getting you somewhere. So that's what I have to do. I have to be extremely proactive in that approach, extremely proactive in establishing uh, the baseline and trust and everything else. And that's before, you know, if I know what I'm talking about with medicine. Like how many of us, again, we we, we probably know it. A lot of us, May know some very smart professionals. Obviously, I talk about medicine, but you know, there's a whole bunch of different fields. A lot of us may know some smart professionals in that field, but you could just tell it's just something about them that you're like, I don't care how smart you are. Like, you're not doing that with me, right? Like, you're not doing surgery with me, right? You're not fixing my car. You're not, you know, building my house, right? Like, because it's just something about them that doesn't connect. But you know that if you do a great job doing the connection first, if you do a great job establishing, hey, this is what we want to do, this is how we want to do it, it makes it so much easier to kind of confirm like, oh, yeah, this guy also knows what he's talking about in medicine, right? Like, it it just it just is what it is when we think about that approach as a hospitalist physician. So, you know, I do my job, right? I, I establish a trust. I establish what I need to do now it's all about like all right now i got to manage this disease like what did you come in for and i've been doing hospital medicine long enough that based on how you come in the er i can kind of mentally predict how your days are going to go in the hospital setting as long as everything goes right like if you have a heart attack depending on the type of heart attack i already know okay my cardiologists they're going to do their thing here can probably take one to two days because this has to go down and that has to go down. And then after, you know, let's say they put a stent in, you know, I'm going to see him in the ICU, stay in the ICU for, a, you know, a day or so. And then we can be talking about going home. But, like, that's something I'm mentally picturing in the ER. Now, again, obviously, I'm fortunate because I got the experience to do so. I've been doing it, as I said, I've been, doing it for 10, I've been doing it for 10 years as an attending. It was really like nine, but by the year, end of the year, it would be 10. I've been doing this 10 years as an attending physician, but again, as a resident physician, you know, I, I tack on those extra three years as well, too. So I've been doing it for a long time, um, being able to kind of establish, uh, you know, the patient's hospital course, right? Yeah, D- Dorian says it's the best. Like, you got to be a people person. You just have to. Like, it's it's a, it's a, it should be a prerequisite. I wish I could say all of my physician colleagues are people's persons, but we all know that's not true. Right. So I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm not going to lie to y'all and say, you know what, you know, this this surgeon right here, like amazing surgeon and he's great with everyone. Right. That's a plus. But sometimes you could be like, all right, this surgeon right here, he's a great surgeon, but he's an absolute asshole. He's an absolute asshole. You know, people we hate working with him, but he's so good that we kind of have to deal with it. Like how many of y'all have people like special professionals in your life that. They're extremely good at what they do, but because they're, so much, they're such an asshole, you're like, I don't want to have to deal with this person here. Like, I don't want to, ugh. Like, I, I, I got, uh, we won't say names, but I have specialists. I have specialists who I got to work with them, right, because they are the specialists. They are, you know, the consults. But, man, if I had an option, if I have another option, I wouldn't work with them. oh yeah I don't know if I said that wrong Um, sorry about that a lot of them are not and they have zero personality oh yes zero personality and and again let me tell you when we're in school when we're in medical school we look around at our classmates and be like yeah I'm not going to send my family to you Like, I don't care what you got on those boards. I don't care how you did a residency. My family not coming to you. Because it's not like, and I think it's a misnomer. It's not like those people became assholes, right? After residency and everything. No, 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 no. Like, when they were in medical school, like, we peeped it year one. Year one, we were like... We gotta deal with this for four years. Like year one, we peep those vibes. And it they track true all four years. All four years. Like, very rarely is someone like a great person in medical school, and they just become this like person that you just hate being around by the time they become an attending physician. Very rarely uh that does that happen. <laughs> it just like they, they, they are people who are like, oh, we got to deal with this person again. Like I said, I'm, I'm thinking like that because I have to go to Wellington this weekend, and I already know I'm gonna have to take care of patients, and if they have certain diseases, I'm gonna have to consult this one person, and like I'm gonna be annoyed doing it, but I gotta do it anyway because at the end of the day, it is for the betterment of the patient, right? Like again, yeah, I gotta take care of my patients, but if I can just avoid working with the doc, like, like I would, right? But sometimes, sometimes it bees like that. Sometimes it be like that. So, as a again physician, you you are kind of plotting before the person even gets upstairs. Like when I'm seeing him in the ER and I'm doing my thing, I'm getting my history and physical, building a rapport. In my mind, I'm like, okay, this is how your hospital stay should look like. Most great physicians have that down pat. Like we know what a hospital stay should look like. Based on the parameters that are in front of us, based on the patient, based on how they present, based on lab results, based on all these things there, we have a good idea like, okay, this person should be here for this amount of time. So that's why we're so keen when, let's say, if I think a patient will be here for, let's say, four days, because that's how long it should take to, you know, deal with, you know, this a small bowel obstruction, about three, four days. And we start pushing day five, day six. I'm like, "Whoa, I have to reset. I gotta reset and say, "Okay, okay, you should have been gone by like day three or four. What did I miss that made you like sit here day six, day seven, like what happened? What is different about you that's kind of got us to this position here? And as a house physician. It's good to obviously have a position kind of locked and loaded in the beginning, but it's more important to be able to pivot off that position when you know this is not going exactly. I don't say exactly like plan because it never goes exactly like plan, but this isn't following kind of the typical blueprint that I'm used to seeing. Right. Like so that's why I am like big, on especially when I when I'm taking care uh, or when I'm training, when I'm training medical students. When I'm training, when I was training medical residents, I was big on saying, hey, tell me the story. Like, tell me what you think is going on, because I needed to know that mentally they were already trying to process the story and not just react to the story. Like, I didn't want them coming the next day and they saw that, you know, the patient's white blood cell count is higher. And they're like, oh, my God, why is the white blood cell count higher? And I'm like, remember, you started a patient on steroids. Like I, like, I didn't want them being surprised by what should occur if we do what we need to do. So a lot of our training is delved into just training the, the residents or teaching medical students, like, hey, this is based on what we're seeing. This is what we're expecting to see. Like, this is what we're expecting. This is the game plan at hand. And the good hospitalist physicians understand that not only not only do I know what I know and I know what I don't know right so once something happens and like all right something's happened here this is not going to par let me go somewhere else they were able to kind of react right so that's I think that's a big thing uh from that standpoint so I I saw a question here can term medicine doctors with home three-year residency work only work uh hospital medicine oh yes most definitely and which is actually a very good question let me know if I can repeat that yeah, uh, very good question. Right? Can uh, I am doctors in internal medicine uh, with residency because res- most residencies uh, kind of base at three years. Internal medicine is one of them that's at three years. Can they only work in hospital medicine? Indeed, indeed. And what's happening now? It's gotten so popular for a couple reasons. The majority of the time when a pay when a resident would you know go through residency and then decide, hey, I want to do some specialty. A lot of it was like financial. There was like some financial, uh, again, obviously some of them love the specialty, but a lot of it was like financial. They're like, eh, I want to I make X amount of dollars, and I don't know if I can make X amount of dollars if I just um, specialize in internal medicine. I want sell specialty. But what hospital medicine has done is that it's one, it's created, it's created a niche because used to, oh, the old school internal medicine doctors would have patients in the office and then go and see patients in the hospital. So they would do both jobs at the same time. But it's got we've gotten so much information. Uh, so there's so much studies that go down, new medications, everything that happens specifically for not only the outpatient setting, ambulatory medicine, but also the inpatient setting, the hospital uh, medicine. That if you're a doc who does both it's going to be very difficult for you to be able to kind of focus on the two, very difficult to focus on the two. So you're just like, okay, I'm gonna lean towards just doing outpatient medicine. I'm going to let them have it over there. So you have a lot of doctors who are going from residency and going straight to just doing hospital medicine because it's so much easier. I, I, and my residents, every time I used to tell them, Oh, it's so easy. You want to do hospital medicine? This thing is easy. Cause they didn't believe me because again, you know, obviously when they're a resident, you're like, mentally drowning or you think of drowning, um, you know, for three years and then we, we push you out to the world. But then you realize like, oh, this is the same stuff I was just doing like two months ago. Like, oh, this is it. And then, you know, the pay is typically better, right? Cause the pay is typically gonna be, you know, let's say ratio wise, five to six times as much as you used to make as a resident doing the same exact thing. Oh yeah. Like, so they they stay in the hospital and medicine and they don't go nowhere. Um, but yeah, so they yeah they they are they they love hospital medicine uh, specifically for that. Uh, make sure I don't miss another question. a yeah, very very good question though. Uh perfect perfect. So we have the hospital physician. We have them kind of again working on establishing that trust, building the game plan before you know while they're in the ER, like again you know, the good ones. To be honest. The good one's kind of working and building a game plan while they're in the ER. And then it's just kind of acting upon new information that occurs throughout the hospital course, because it's one thing to, again, you know, get the new information, but if you don't act upon it, act accordingly, like I said, life or death. And I think that's probably one of the toughest things about hospital medicine is that because it's the, like, again, ambulatory medicine, you know, I'm going to see you in three months, take this medication right here. Come back next week. You know, it's such a a slow kind of laser fare. Everything's just kind of going through the motion. But the ambulatory medicine, it's like, like, we need to take care of this right now. Like, I need this stat. Like, and stat, you know, for most people, they think it's immediate, but it's like maybe an hour or two. Um, but I need this stat. Like, I need this happen now. I need to see the changes now. I need to see the effects now. Everything is now, now, now as a hospital physician Because you know, like, the the clock is ticking. And it's such a difference, especially when I do my long-term care hospital, which is the hospital that, and they're not everywhere, but it's the hospital that you would send a patient who, you know, let's say they had a stroke. Let's say they had COVID. Let's say they had pneumonia. Let's say they had a bad wound, um, bad, you know, respiratory virus, and they're on a vent, and they can't get off the vent. You need to send them to another hospital because, hey, you know what? Yeah, we've done what we can do here, but we still need you to, like, get hospital-level care, but just not in this facility. So I go to the long-term care settings, and that mindset is totally different. It's like, okay, all right, you're here for a wound, all right? You're probably going to be here for four weeks, six weeks. Like, I routinely have, like, in fact, let me see, I'm looking here now. I'm just looking at my list. I have patients who've been with me for 57 days. I have patients who've been with me for 75 days. I have a patient who's been with me for 148 days, long-term care setting. That that would not happen in the acute care setting unless there's some insurance reasons. Just gotta be honest. The long-term long-term reasons? Uh yeah, like now they are they, they they're coming to me. So establishing that game plan, taking care of your patient, being able to um, be proactive uh, in their treatment plan will always make a successful hospitalist physician. Like it's the easiest, easiest way to do those things, right? You want to be a great hospital physician, understanding that trust is everything, rapport is everything, especially in the beginning. Understanding that mapping out the game plan. And I, I always tell my patients, like I'm I tell my patients. So it's not a mystery because the patients don't want to be like in this, like oh, I don't know what's happening. I don't know, you know, when I'm going. Because one thing for sure, when you go to the hospital setting, the number one question a person asks you is when are they going home? Hey doc, when I'm going home? Hey doc, I just had a heart attack. When am I going home? Hey doc, just broke my hip. When am I going home? Right or rehab? Right? Like they always want to know when am I getting out of here, because patients are terrified of being in the hospital. It's the reason why. That's the reason why a lot of people don't like seeing the doctor in the first place. Cause they always feel like they're going to somehow say the wrong answer to a question. And then the doc's going to throw them in the hospital. Like that's like a, a thing for them. And I know because I, I asked a lot of people like, Oh, how'd you get here? Oh, my doc sent me and I'm, I'm upset. Like I, I don't need to be here. It's too funny. So being able to kind of establish that game plan, tell your patients the game plan, tell the family members the game plan. That way you don't have to get phone calls later on. Like let people know Like, hey, this is what we're doing. And this is why we're doing it for uh, patients. patient. So no one is in the dark. Because again, like I said, and it just goes back to the trust. Like if they trust me and I trust them, then I can tell them, hey, this is what I think is happening. This is what I think we need to do, right, to to get you better, right? And they typically will rock with it uh, for for the most part. Um, And then more like when you get to that point where like, hey, yep, I've quote unquote, I've saved the day. I've saved the life. And it's time to go. uh, Having that established game plan for them when they leave your premise, like letting them know, like, hey, you did a great job here. I want you to go see your primary care doctor. Are you going to the rehab? You're going to see this, like giving them that game plan so that, again, not only are they feeling good, feeling comfortable while they're in your presence, but they kind of have a mental picture of what to expect once they leave here. Because a lot of people, like let's say, a lot of people can't get to their doctor if they have one, right? For you know, like a week or so, right? Like so, being able to say, "Hey, this is what you should," you know, like say you just had this infection, you were on IV antibiotics. I'm switching into oral antibiotics. So follow your doctor. You may still may still have some cough. Just those things that just kind of ease some of the pressures that your patient is going to experience. Because as a hospital physician, and I tell my patients all this this all the time. When you are sick, like, when you are sick, you're, like, the worst person of yourself, right? And I tell people all the time, it's okay. Like, I don't expect people who are sick to be happy-go-lucky. I don't expect people who are sick to be their best selves from a character standpoint. I expect them to be groggy, to be, you know, to be ornery. I expect them to be all of those things there. And I tell them, like, hey, I understand you don't need to apologize. I know once I get you better, you'll be feeling better. And you know they're feeling better because they keep asking you when they can go home. So it's it's just one of those things where you just have to understand that no one, right, just like a dentist's office, no one wants to be in the hospital. No one wants to be sick enough that requires them to be admitted to the hospital. That, that just, it don't happen. That's just not it, right? And so once you understand that that's the case, once you understand that, like, all right, this person don't want to be here, like, I can't. Like, you know, I like I should not be, again, especially if I'm a, a physician, I'm a nurse, I'm a CNA, I'm an environmental tech, I'm a respiratory therapy, PTO. Like if I'm one of the people who are in the hospital, I should not be making the patients like, you know, you know, feel bad because they're in a the hospital. Like that just doesn't make any sense, right? Like that I should not be like a part of that reason. So I think it's extremely important when you're being a good hospital physician right, to be able to really kind of hold your patient's hand throughout this whole process. Oh, hey, Millie, how's it going? Um, Throughout this whole process, you should be able to hold your patient's hand and say, hey, I know this is a scary time right now. I know, you know, I just told you some bad news. You got a heart attack. You got a stroke. You know, you have an asthma exacerbation. Like, I know this is some scary time, but walk with me during this hospital course, and I'm going to take care of you. Like, I'm I'm, I'm, going to get you good out here. All right, like I said, I I got two more days till I'm in the acute care setting, and mind you, like I've cut down uh, the amount that I'm in the acute care setting, especially because I'm so busy with the rehabs and long term care setting. So I do it about two times a month. One just so I can kind of, you know, it's just like riding a bike. I said, oh, let me let me get out of here. Let me just remember. Let me just make sure I remember still how to treat strokes and everything else. And then I get there in like an hour. I'm like, oh, okay, yep, still here. Like, because it, it it really like happens uh, that quickly, like that quickly, you're back on your game, like that quickly, like, oh, okay, this is how we rock and this is what we need to do, um, you know, for our patients here. So like, I'm, I'm just big on that. Like, I'm just big on making sure, uh, you know, the patient who is probably scared to death that they have to see me. I'm making sure uh, that they're well taken care of in the ER. I'm making sure that they're t- way t- well taken care of when they get to the floors, uh, making sure that the specialists who need to see them, whether it be neurology, whether it be pulmonary, whether it be infectious disease, cardiology, GI, all of my amazing specialists, uh, the right specialists uh, are seeing them as well, right? So they're getting just expertise level after expertise level to make sure, cause at the end of the day, our goal is to get them out the facility. Like it's successful to me when I can get you out the facility. Now, of course, I'm hoping that I get you out in the same way you came in. It don't always work like that, right? It don't always work like that. I'm hoping that I can get you out the same way you came in, but if I don't, that's okay, right? Because if I can can just, all right, like, hey, you know what? You didn't really need a walker right before you can't see me, but you also didn't know you had uncontrolled blood pressure. So, You know, you got a stroke, so you kind of need to walk in and I kind of want you to rehab, right? Just being able to kind of just mentally walk them through all of those processes just makes it so much easier kind of in the grand scheme of things, right? So, again, um, yeah, that's just kind of my wrap up, right? Just as, you know, the the hospital's physician and really the importance of being a hospitalist physician, um, hospitalist uh, physician. Um, And again, I'm internal medicine, right? But we have hospitalist physician who are OB-GYNs. We have hospital physicians who are pediatrics, hospital physicians who are family medicine. So I'm, again, I'm just having to be a, a internal medicine doing it, um, but it's not limited to just internal medicine. A hospital physician is just a, a doctor who says, hey, you know what? I'm going to focus my practice specifically on hospital-related medicine in the acute setting. And I'm going to take care of those patients, in this, which again, are the sickest of the sickest. I'm going to take care of them and get them, you know, back to where they need to be, right? So, again, I'm your truly. Again, first of all, thank you, everyone, for joining, for staying on. Uh, Millie, I appreciate you. I, I see the love. I show oh, we love Millie. We love Millie over here for to make sure. Definitely one you need to follow uh, for sure. Um, so, y'all be blessed. Y'all have a great evening.